forever. Dog. Today's episode is a terrific panel that was recorded at the premiere of Horror Noir. Horror Noir is a new documentary on Shudder. It's uh, it's out this week, and it's all about um, black horror. Uh, it's it's got experts, including people who are on this panel. Um, and it's really put together, and it, it mentions a lot of movies that maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you haven't thought of in a while, maybe you haven't thought of in the context of the black experience. So it's really worth a watch on Shudder. Um, I subscribe to Shudder. This is not a paid advertisement. I love Shudder. Um, they have so many great horror movies that are. Re- it's a really well curated service, um, and you can get it on you know your your Apple TV or, or whatever from the apps and stuff. Um, I've watched stuff that is really not available anywhere else. So it's really, it's worth checking out if you're a horror fan. This panel, as I said, was recorded at the premiere, which was at the Egyptian Theater here in Los Angeles as part of American Cinematheque. Um, And this episode will also be available on Shudder for Shudder subscribers so people can check it out there. Uh, They do podcasts uh, there. They have a lot of great stuff that's worth checking out. Some narrative podcasts that aren't really available anywhere else. Um, so please one subscribe to shutter. I think there's like a, a two week thing where you can kind of get it free and see what's on there. Um, and two, definitely check out horror noir. It's a great documentary and, uh, is a great conversation about the way that both film and specifically genre and horror films are finally, finally changing. Enjoy this podcast. And my thanks to American Cinematheque and everyone involved with horror noir for letting me record it. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! So, one of the things I want to start off with is the following. Um, I want to make sure we understand that we want to create a reverential space here tonight. Because right now, what you're seeing is probably about over, what, 100 years of TV, film, theater, voiceover work. So we have a lot of foundational people up here on the stage. And when Tanana Reeve called me and said, listen, do you want to moderate the horror panel? And I didn't realize where the horror panel was going to be. I was like, it's Tanana Reeve. That's my girl. Whatever you want me to do, I'm there. And then she says, yeah, and Tony Todd will be there. And then I said, okay, uh, give me a moment. And then each day, it was like they were adding a different person. So I'm really trying my best to be a moderator, not a fangirl, because all of these people on the stage have a huge impact, not only on my life, but a lot of the fans out here in the audience. And I, yeah. So I want to make sure that we understand that this is our foundation up here. These are the people who paved a way for the rest of us that are in this room. They're the people who allowed us to be uh, the the trailblazers, and they're the ones that really gave us the space for a lot of the young filmmakers that are coming up behind them. And one of the things I'm really happy is that we're blessed that we still have them with us. Because one of the things, if you noticed up in the documentary, when they were talking about uh, Dr. Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, which is one of the films that Mr. William Crane directed right after uh, Blackula, was when I saw Bernie Casey and Rosalind Cash. So we have a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time. So anybody in here who thinks that black people have not been a part of horror, you've been sadly mistaken. I hope you got your wake-up call tonight. Black people have always been part of horror. 
And as Tannery said in the documentary also is, we know horror best because our relationship in this country is based on a lot of horrific things. And I always tell Tannery, we always joke when we show up in conferences together, black people, we have lived every genre that you can think of throughout our history. And I'm very serious when I say that. So I wanna get started right away right now as I wanna introduce everybody on this, on this panel, which is difficult. Like I said, about 100 years up here of history. And literally when I was printing up, like let me get the bios for people, I was like, oh Jesus, it's like over 50 pages. Because we have some Renaissance people. I'm just thinking of Keith David. And Ken Foree, who I told, and I told him right before I came to theater. I said, sir, I hope you know that you are the reason that I was able in 1978 to get my first real popcorn at the drive-in theater from my mama and my stepdad, because black people, we bring food. <laughs> and we were watching Dawn of the Dead, and my mom's from Pittsburgh, so you know he's gonna watch that movie anyway. And my stepdad was like, I think this brother's gonna live throughout the whole movie. <laughs> Halfway through, my stepdad and my mom, we got out the car. In the olden days, children, we had drive-ins. It was a 65 Chevy. I'm just trying to let y'all know we've improved. And literally, we went and got popcorn because we were so excited. And I don't know if you know this, but Ken was like the first black actor to survive in a horror film, in horror film history. And that was a big thing for us because we survived. And not only that, brother got away. And we know he's living happily somewhere. <laughs> so let me go through. We're going to start off with Ashley who's one of my favorite Twitter people because Ashley really got the ball rolling as black women tend to do. We are really right now in this renaissance, we are really bringing black horror to the forefront with a lot of the things that Ashley does. So first of all, Ashley is uh, from Philadelphia, uh, PA. Ashley used to be in American Studies and an MA in Liberal Arts from Temple University. She has written for various print and online publications including Shadow and Act, Rue Morgue, The Guarding Us, Birth, Movies, and Death. And she also runs one of my favorite websites. If you ever get a chance to check it out, Graveyard Shift Sisters. It's amazing. Next to Ashley, it's the only reason, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, that I went to go see The Craft. Saw the poster, I said she's part of the curly hair mafia. I'm gonna see that movie. <laughs> it's Rachel True is a film and television actress and former fashion model. Hi. She's appeared in CB4, Embrace of the Vampire, and she went on to play, come on now, Rochelle <laughs> from The Craft, who changed the game for us. She was also in Half Baked, and she was also one of my favorite shows that me and my mom loved and we watched it together when she played Morna Thorne on the sitcom on UPN, Half and Half. And you were also, girl, in one of my favorite movies, and I will die on this hill, one of my favorite movies of all time, even though we know it's not that great, but I love trash anyway. But good trash, but I talk about it is Sharknado. I love that. <laughs> that is my stuff. And you in Sharknado Part 2, and I love it. I love the whole entire series. And I was so happy when I saw you in it. You're amazing. We love you. Listen, they said, do you want to get sucked out of an airplane with the original guy from Airplane? And say it. eaten by a shark in the middle say of the air? And I was like, yeah. You're going to say yes. yes. I love it. It's my favorite, one of my favorite series. Thank well, you. Because my biggest fear is, um, you know, surviving a plane crash to be eaten off my flotation cushion by a shark. So it was like two it's fears It's the best. If you haven't seen the Sharknado series, you need to see it. Next up, my sister from another mister. Tanana Reeve Du. She's a filmmaker, a filmmaker, author, educator, 
steeped in black horror and Afrofusion since 2017. She's been teaching a class. When I'm a, if you haven't got a chance to take it, take it. At UCLA called The Sunken Place. Inspired by the movie Get Out. And uh, she's one of these sisters that I call her a soldier because not only is she a writer, a screenwriter, a producer, um, she's one of those black women who holds horror in a reverential place the way I do and as well as Ashley. And so she's one of those sisters that's gonna really keep us on point when we talk about horror, especially horror dealing with black people. Next to her we have, oh my God. Can I, can I see that paper one more time? I'll give you this one. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's I'm okay. I'm having a hot flash. I know, it's all right, you're doing great. <laughs> Sir, I don't know if you remember this, Mr. Keith David. Back in the 90s, you came to San Diego, you came into a black bookstore I was working at. It was called Pyramid Bookstore. You walked in and I said, oh my God, it's Childs. <laughs> he survived. <laughs> and I was at the counter and you bought some books and I said, sir, I know you probably get this question all the time. Did you, who survived? Was it you or McCready? And this is what you said with that, that voice. And you know he tall anyway, and I was in my early 20s, and he said, my dear, it's whoever you want to live. And I said, oh, well, you won, you, you lived. <laughs> That's the end of that story. Uh, this is one of my favorite actors. I've been watching him since 19, his first time in The Thing. The Thing is one of my favorite movies since everything. He's an American actor of TV and film and stage. I don't know if you know this, but he can sing a singer, a theater actor, a voiceover actor, a comedian. He's also known for co-starring as King and Platoon, as Childs, of course, in The Thing. Um, he's been in a lot of mainstream movies. I know you guys remember There's Something About Mary, Pork and Beans, mm-hmm, Barbershop. He also has memorable roles in numerous cult favorites, especially They Live. And one of my favorite cult flavor is from Pitch Black. Do you guys remember his character? Yes. Abu Imam Walid in Pitch Black. And you can see him right now in Greenleaf. No one tell me I'm catching up on season three. Don't tell me nothing because you are a hot mess on that show, <laughs> sir. Next to him is uh, Xavier Bergen, our director. Xavier Bergen is a writer-director from USC School of Cinematic Arts. He's a Sundance Fellow, HBO alumni, Ryan Murphy Directing Program mentee, a semifinalist for the Student Activist Academy Awards, and a director for the Emmy-nominated series Giants. He's one of our young up-and-coming artists, so we need to make sure that we thank him for putting this whole thing together. Thank you, Xavier. Oh yes, I have a Tony Todd story for Tony Todd. Back in 2002, I was standing on La Brea, was, I think it was Versailles, the Cuban restaurant. I went in with a group of filmmaker friends, I stood outside and someone said, there's Tony Todd. And I said, don't you lie. <laughs> and I stood there, I stood right next to you, sir. And they said, just say something. You've been waiting this whole moment. I said, it's Candyman, he's, he's in Platoon, he's in so many favorite, I mean, so many of my favorite movies. And I said nothing. <laughs> And I watched him walk away with this group of people he was with. So, sir, it's finally an honor to tell you, thank you for being a wonderful person. And of course, Tony Todd, not only, like I said, we got some Renaissance people up here. He's a voice actor, he's an artist, a film producer known for betraying also Sergeant Warren Platoon, but also for a Star Trek fans. If you remember, Worf's brother, Kern. Yes, Klingons, black people, yes. All right. He also did the reimagining uh, of uh, Night of the Living Dead in 1990. And of course, as Vondi Curtis Hall told you, sir, it's like once you did Candyman, that was a wrap, <laughs> sir. 
that was a wrap. But not only that, though, he's done all, all kinds of fantastic things, uh, voicing video games, and he was also recently uh, given the Lifetime Achievement Award at the New York Horror Film Festival, and that is amazing, because I think when you're the first black actors to... I didn't go all the way down the list, but I, I assume I was. Okay, yes. It was number 14. So okay. Ken, of course, you already told your story, but the popcorn, I thank you. That was one of my favorite experiences with my stepdad. Listen, popcorn and you being one of the first black people to like black men to live in a hard you're amazing. And I've loved your work. He's also been in one of my other cult classic favorites. If you've watched the From Beyond, the H.P. Lovecraft series. Yes. If y'all remember, and I was just watching this last year, and who... This is how the universe works. I was watching this last year, the bingo, long traveling all stores and motor kings. Yes, and of course, playing Peter and Dawn of the Dead. Um, he also was in um, the X-Files TV series along as well as Mr. Tony Todd. If you remember the X-Files fans have been here, you've seen their episodes. And of course, uh, you were in the Devil's Rejects with Rob Zombie. We're talking pedigree up here, people. Black people, we've always been in horror, okay? And last but not least, if I can just say this, sir, you were one of the foundational fathers. You were like the godfather, Mr. William Crane, because you subverted the horror trope. 1972, I was four. Blackula, when, back in the day, you supposed to have been asleep when you were a kid. And back in those days, kid you not, and if you read the book by Robin Means, the horror noir book, it talks about how when they put black films out in drive-ins, a lot of times you had a double feature, and I kid you not, I saw The Godfather and Blackula <laughs> together, okay? And when I saw that, it was the most amazing thing because literally you changed how black people, when we take on stories that not necessarily belong to us, how we can subvert it, we can change it, and by having a black voice on there, you shaped so much of what we are seeing here on stage right now. So we want to say thank you for being here with us. Thank you, sir. And good night. No, I'm kidding. This is amazing. So what I want to start off with is this. Like I said, we're creating a, we're creating a reverential space. And one of the things I want to, to, to start off with is this, okay? In Robin Means' book, she talks about how much of horror history has been about the removal and erasure of black people. So I'm going to read a quote to you guys from Recreational Terror, Women and the Pleasure of Horror Film Viewing, because I want to give us some context in terms of what we're dealing with when we talk about the horror genre. Number one, horror disrupts the everyday world. Okay, It transgresses and violates boundaries. It upsets the validity of rationality. It resists narrative closure, and it works to evoke fear. Now, I want you to substitute the word horror and put the word black, okay? Because right now, we're going through a horrific time, not for black people, because we've been new. Hashtag, we've been new. <laughs> but right now, we're in a space where much of America is all of a sudden discovering, oh my God, they'll put babies in cages. Oh my God, we'll do all these terrible things to people. Oh my God. And black people are sitting on the sidelines going, Welcome, how you been doing, all right? So with that being said, what I wanna start off with is, let's be real, I had a list of questions I wanna ask you, but I just wanna jump right to the, the get-go. From the catalyst of Get Out, from all of you, seriously, is this another cycle where we get these great movies that are making a bunch of money and then we just disappear? Anyone can jump in and, and, and talk about that because one of the things I was thinking as I was watching that is I remember this happening in the 90s. How many of you guys remember the 90s? A lot of those great movies were coming out and then all of a sudden you got those derivatives and then it just disappeared. So is this a real change 
or is this just uh, the same old, same old? I'm gonna throw it at you, Tanana Reed, because you're my sister. I, I don't think there's any such thing as turning the clock back at this point on our representation in horror. Um, the creativity is there, the mm -hmm. creatives are there, and let's face it, the money is there. Get Out was made for $4.5 million, and I believe made $250 million. Am I getting that wrong? Mm. That's a lot of money. Us is going to do great. People are already buying tickets like Black Panther. So I, 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 I'm not so much of an idealist that I think that it, it's, it's easy for anyone in the arts. It's mm -hmm. certainly not in Hollywood. But no, the genie is out of the bottle at this point. We will, it, it won't be another repeat of the, the 1980s or, or, the, or you know, when we went back. And I think because Get Out did what it did, not only Get Out, but immediately after that, of course, we had Black Panther that changed up the whole superhero thing. And we also had Moonlight that changed up art house and indie. So we're letting people know right now, you ain't got no more excuses to say that what we have to bring to the table is not going to make any money. Anybody else want to jump in on that? What you it's think? also contingent upon our support of it. You know, I mean, it's, it's great for us to have a conversation. And as many people that are here, we can have this conversation amongst each other. But you got to go and have this conversation with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so everybody will know that, you know, the diff you make the difference. Your contribution makes a difference. Your word of mouth and your dollar spent. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to jump in? Yeah, I think everything, uh, to add on what Keith says, I think everything begins with the script, the written word. And we're in a moment right now where history is standing still mm -hmm. for so not only for black writers, but any writer, and particularly people of marginalized culture, need to start telling the stories that they have locked up in their hearts so they can get out. Now, I know Keith is going to work all the time. I know Ken is going to work all the time. But one of y'all leave me a roll or two. But just get to your <laughs> scripts, folks, and tell your stories, please. Yes. Uh, I want to throw in that I think as a, like a Gen Xer for, for that age group, I've seen um, the Internet come and take over. So I, I personally think that I don't think we got the digital revolution in terms of filmmaking. We were quite promised, but right, you know, but we did. This is where a lot of these things came from. Like when you look at the people who have succeeded now, they got their art their, and their filmmaking out on the internet, like Issa Rae or whoever, whoever. So I feel like that's helpful. I mean, because you can shoot something with your iPhone. And if it is good enough, if the sound is good enough, the picture can be mushy, but the sound must be sharp. Be Filmmakers, that's the rule. Have that sound be on point. You know, we'll accept anything else, but that, you know, that sound's got to be on point. Once again, let's that not sounds... forget that filmmaking is a craft. <laughs> so you got to study and make sure that you uh, know what you're doing, because everybody with an iPhone thinks they're a filmmaker and it ain't true. No, and not everyone pretty is an actor. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, you're right. It's good you pointed that out, because just because you have an iPhone, you should study. Like, I do a lot of stuff for my Instagram stories, and people are like, it's so great, how do you do it? I studied editing, so I know the cuts that will make the eye draw, or draw. You know, another changing dynamic that's going on, I mean, I know you're shooting in Atlanta, but I've shot like four things in Atlanta in the last year. When I first started working in Hollywood in the 90s, I would look around trying to find somebody else to talk to. I would be the only man of color on set. Recently in Atlanta, the crews are all like highly diverse. And you know, not everybody has to be an actor or a writer, but there are so many jobs in this industry that we have overlooked. And I want to look around and see that that sound department is uh, at least equally people, or the editing department is equally people. And then right now, the transportation 
apartments are always already locked up in the catering. We know where to look. So to give us an idea of who's in the room, I just want to take a little poll. Raise your hand if you're a filmmaker in this room so we know who we're talking to. Raise your hand if you are a horror fan in this room. Raise your hand if you are a black horror writer. Raise your hand if you're actors, producers. All right, so we have everybody up in here. All right. So camera. Yes. So I'm going to jump to you and Xavier in just a second because I want to talk to you, Mr. Crane. But I want to talk to Ken, and this is for Ken, Todd, and Mr. David. One of the things I really respect about your work, and I've been following your careers for, like I said, since I was a wee child. So one of the things I really respect is that the three of you, you have a tendency to go back and work with younger filmmakers that are coming up. You'll do indie films. I mean, for the span of your career that you've had, it's probably really easy for you to do commercial stuff and be like, ah, let them handle it. But you always tend to do and work with young people. So with all the people in here who raised their hand who said they were filmmakers, especially those of you who are interested in making horror films in particular, what is some advice that you can give? Because all three of you together collectively, I mean, you're like a walking university. So what are some words that you can give for those of us, especially those who are really in, indebted to the genre of horror, who want to bring something new? What is some wisdom you can give us? Is Ken's, you, I'm, y'all better have that mic off of Mr. Ken. Well, it always begins with financing, first of all, and a great script. And find your script, find the financing, begins with a great script. It's always difficult to finance and find the right financiers. Financiers. So that's where you begin. Yeah, everything starts with the story. And uh, I can't speak for everybody here, but I know that most people that have made it this far have plenty of stories to tell. They just need to get on your Mac and start editing and come up with great ideas. People like us can either be called about, questioned about, or invited to the, uh, to the party. We love it. Uh, wh- while I'm here, I just want to give a shout out to a couple of people that weren't mentioned. Uh, Terry Alexander, who oh, yeah. was in yeah. Day of the Dead. Yes. And also, also Ralph Marrero, who unfortunately died shortly after, uh, after Day of the Dead. But those two are also minority members that were very, very important in horror. And both of them came from theater, as do most of them. So, I think you have to like, write mm-hmm. and rewrite mm-hmm. and re-rewrite. Script is not going to be perfect, but just get it started. And uh, when I went to see Get Out, I saw it at the, um, there on Vine Street in Sunset. And the audience wasn't all black at all. As a matter of fact, I tried to do a quick head count. And <laughs> just to see, and the, well, just before it started. And so I think once you write, writing becomes universal, and if the story is good, people are going to see it. And I think that's what happened with Get Out. And of course, with Black Panther, you just had to go and see it. So I saw it about three times at the, what is the theater on Sunset and Vine? The, the old Arclight. I went to see it at the Arclight, and it was quite amazing. So do your writing. That's where you start. Yeah. And a, and a script. That was a strange thing a, about Get Out. I, um, I have a few friends who are not horror friend, fans at all, 
watch horror movies. And they called me from both coasts, from West Coast to East Coast, Midwest, three or four of them. You've got to go see Get Out. You've got to go see Get Out. Yeah, what the fuck are we talking about? Well, it's the new wave of horror films. It's not a horror film, but it is. And you've got to go see it. You've got to say, well, you don't like horror films. No, but I, everyone's going to see this. I've, I've seen it. <laughs> so it, 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 you know, would be on, you know, the, the uh, fan base for horror films. It's, uh, if you have a good script, if you uh, have a good story to tell, you'll find an audience. And it won't just be a horror audience. There's not just about a black audience. It's any audiences, period. One of the great important things that he said, he said, I made the film that I wanted to see. Uh, so I think that's really, really, really important to, uh, uh, you know, script is a living, breathing thing. You have to stay true to your vision. Now you're going to have uh, people tugging at you, producers and uh, other, other powers that be that are, are necessary voices, but you have to be true to yourself because I have also witnessed uh, the hiring of a director and the producer not allowing them to do what they do because they didn't trust what they hired him for to begin with and seen the film, well, you haven't seen the film and you won't. Uh, uh, so you have to be, really be true to yourself, but it, it really does start with what's on the page. And it will change and it will evolve, but you have to have it on the page. It's got to be on the, you, you, have, to, you have to see it on the page. And many times, now, unless, you're, unless you are extraordinarily gifted, and I'm sure some of you are, you can't make the promise, oh, we're going to do it on the set. We're going we're gonna to improvise, or we're going we're gonna to make this happen. We're going we're gonna to build this character up, because that don't happen either. So you want to, you know, if it's on the page and you're true to that, you have, that's a, that's a wonderful start. And everybody here knows about the blacklist, right? The website. So I love um, reading the scripts on there. I have gone through and read so many scripts as a non-filmmaker. I'm just throwing that out there for people who aren't in film school. If you read scripts and just read them and read them and read them and read them, you will start to see what works better on page. And I sold a book this year to Houghton Mifflin Harcourt that I'm writing myself. And um, so scripts are next. I'm really excited to write. Um, it's a great way to express yourself, and no one's judging you on your color or the size of your ass. One pointer I might, I might suggest. I've read scripts where the writer tries to um, name the shots before it happens. The camera does this, the camera does that. I've seen that so many times. And I would make a personal suggestion is that you just write your story and forget about what the camera does because you won't realize what the camera does until you actually get on the set. And then you visualize it and then you say, this is where this shot should be or this is how this shot should develop. So give yourself a break and just write your story and let the film handle itself when you start shooting. I just, um, I got a script about, about a year ago, and it was a slasher, pure slasher, killing every five minutes, no story. 
And uh, I sent it back to the director and I said, here's a, the producer director said, here's a few suggestions. They sent it back six months later. No change. So I said, okay, I'll give you an outline. And if you like it, I'll write it for you. Send them an outline. They said, yes, great. But I, we don't, we're not married to this. Go ahead. Start from the beginning. So I started to write the story. Okay? My story. This story. Not a slasher, but of the child who becomes a slasher. Uh, Mine's about, he is about two or three major characters. I have 11 so far. <laughs> His budget was probably about 200,000. I'm probably at 2 million at this point. <laughs> but I'm writing the story. I'll worry about that later. Every moment that I wrote, it, I wrote this, I'm writing this, this script, I am thinking about, I don't have enough money for this location. I don't, I don't want to give too much dialogue to these actors because we can't afford them. And finally, I put that idea, and I said, the hell with this. I'm just going to write what I feel and let the chips fall where they may. We'll cut later. We'll adjust later. But I'm going to tell my story. And I, th I think that's a good point. Write your story. Yeah. Tell your story. I'd like to uh, point out a major disconnect. We hear so often that 50% of films are adaptations, right? But then you look at the great icons in black literature and science fiction, for example, Octavia Butler. We have yet to see an adaptation of Octavia Butler. So I think um, the next step, and what I really hope this, document, this documentary itself is an adaptation. So it's proof of the power of adaptation. So those of you who are producers, look to the literature as well. There are a lot of great horror writers out there, and I know it sounds self-serving, I'm a horror writer, but I'm not talking, you know, there are a lot of great horror writers out there, and that's, you know, that's the next wave, is finding those, those short stories, finding those novels, and, and doing a little internet research. If you put black horror literature, there's a whole bunch of names that will come up. <laughs> so, Xavier, let me ask you this. How do you feel now, after wrangling this whole baby together, and actually seeing it and seeing it with a lot of us in here together, how does that feel for you right now? Well, the first thing I want to say is the film that was made is 100% like a team effort. I cannot come in here and say like, oh, this is completely 100% my vision. This is something that, you know, Daniel Burns, Tananan Reeve, um, Dr. Coleman, um, Ashley right there, like all of us put this together. So for me, it's, it's beautiful, it's amazing to see, for folks to, I literally was sitting down, I woke up in the morning, um, my friends came me like, yo man, can you still get tickets? Can we, can we get something? I'm like, what are you talking about? Just go here, Fandango, you're gonna be good. And you know, I, I hit my email and, it, and the team tells me, oh, we're sold out. I'm like, oh, this is real. So, you know, that was absolutely amazing because this is my first feature film. This is the first time. And what a first feature it is, sir. Keep going. So, I, 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 but I say that to say that even though it's my first feature film, even though I'm so proud of you know what I was able to do to direct this, to put this together, but it truly was a team effort. And the fact that like all of us had to come together 
uh, to put this. So just to, to give an idea of you know how I came into this. First, I was saying this is not me first. This is Ashley first, 100%. I have to put that out there. So they're building everything out. They, um, I had a one friend. His name is Tommy. Tommy Oliver. And they, uh, they, he recently said, "Yo, these folks at Shutter, Stage Three Productions, are looking for a director who understands horror, who's also doing a thing, who's also a young director who they want to uplift after they've seen all the work that you've been doing. Because you know, I've been out here for um, maybe like seven years, like doing all stuff. You know, starting at USC, starting in the film school, getting out, and just like you know, slowly trying to do as much work as possible." So they, uh, they, they bring me in, they talk to me about this, they tell me about everything that they're doing, and I'm just like, this is amazing. I've never heard of so much of this stuff. I've, I've, as, a, as a young person, I'm, I'm 28, and... <laughs> Y'all don't do me like that. Come on, don't do me like that. <laughs> if you live long enough, it happens. <laughs> but sounds to say that so much of this stuff I've, I've seen, or I've watched or I've heard about, but then they're coming saying, we're gonna like talk about this from the, from, from the 1900s all the way to the present, seeing what black people have done in this genre that we don't see on a regular basis. And me as a film major, as someone who went to USC, the, considered the number one you know, film school in the nation, and we're not even learning this type of stuff within the film school. So a lot of the things that I'm learning at this point, I'm learning right now, so I sit down, I read the book, I'm in love with this. I, I think I sat down and I, built out like a 12 to 15 page notebook that was like, you know, the entire vision of where I wanted to see this. And I sent it to him, then they sent it back. I sent it to him again, they sent it back over and over again until like I got to the point where they're like, okay, we like this and they bring me in and I pitch to Shudder to see whether or not they want me to be the person that creates the aesthetic and the overall understanding of what this film is gonna look like, what this film is gonna be, how the interviews are gonna be, how we're gonna put these you know, amazing people together in there. And then, you know, I'm thinking, I go in there, I do my thing, and I don't hear back from a few days, I'm like, oh man, I, I must have, maybe I didn't get it at all. Like, I was really like, okay, I need to keep pushing. Then I get a call from, um, from Kelly, one of the producers, say, hey, you did an amazing job, you come on to this. And I was like, yes, let's go into it. And literally from there, we, like a week later or so, or a little bit, we go straight into doing all the interviews and start putting this together. And I, I bring all this to say that it was the fact that these, they, they could have taken a film like this, done all this stuff with all these black faces, black voices, and threw a white director on it. And that would have been the same tired thing that we see on a regular basis. But the people around me, Shutter, Stacey Production, all of these producers said, no, we're going to find a talented young black filmmaker who is building his way up and help to uplift him to not only make a, an amazing thing for all of you out here, but to say that we're not going to fall into the same tropes we constantly see in Hollywood. So... Thank you for that, Xavier. Mr. Crane, since you're our foundation, since you helped us get to where we are right now, how does it feel seeing all this history and seeing the film? I mean, how do you feel right now seeing that, knowing that you are part of making this happen from so long ago? I'm humbled and I'm impressed. <laughs> Succinct. So I'm gonna bring it over to the ladies real quick. So Ashley. You thought I wasn't gonna come to you, girl, but I, I'm here, I'm here. So I want you to talk to about, about your work that you do 
with your website? Because like I said, she's one of my favorite Twitter people, and literally social media, and just hanging out with all the nerdy, geeky, black girls who love horror, and just connecting that way, and just watching her slowly build her brand, and just reading her work. Can you tell us about what your work is when you, with Graveyard Shift Sisters, so people can understand what we are dealing with right here on the stage? Uh, sure, um, first and foremost, um, uh, shout out to the Stage 3 production team. Um, if not for my friendship with Phil Nobile Jr., who is the editor-in-chief of Angoria, who is here tonight. Um, uh, this probably wouldn't be a thing. I'm glad we were able to put our heads together, and I'm glad that um, Kelly, also at Stage 3, believed in this vision. And I'm really glad that Danielle was able to hop on board, too, and really bring this together with the rest of the team. So I really appreciate them. I just wanted to say that first and foremost. So... Can I just jump? Can I can I jump over? Because I, because you're one of the people that when we start doing, you did the Friday Night Horror. I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but once a month she does something called Friday Night Horror, and literally we get together and either it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon Prime, and it's a bunch of us all over the world, and we watch a horror movie, and then we live tweet, and then we talk trash, and then we have fun, and we have our libations. And I remember one of the earliest ones I remember doing was The Craft, yeah. and I remember. We were live tweeting, and all of a sudden, Rachel, she just jumped on to our feed, and we almost all had a heart attack. But I knew you were. I thought you were trolling. I'm like, this ain't really her. No, this but ain't I Rochelle. think Ashley and I were already, Ashley reached out. And another thing, because I know some of your filmmakers, I'm sorry to jump in, but when some people reach no, out don't. to actors, like these esteemed people, and they roll up on them like, sup, can you help me with my film? That's, no, no, hi, my name is, this is what I've done already. I've been in school, I've done this, I've done that, I did this short film. I Show us what you've already done before you bore these people with your lack of knowledge. Me too, I'm including myself in that. Like when you approach a stranger, you've got to think about how you're doing it. You know, so Ashley approached me in a really nice way. And that's probably why I jumped in all thirsty. Okay, because you just like, thought I was thirsty. No, because usually we just sit there and we do the live tweet and all of a sudden it was like, I think that's really Rachel Drew in here. And then it was, and it was exciting. And I remember one of the things we said was like how amazing you are and how how important your role was. And it, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it because I know it was in social media. Probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't really talk about that now, but I'll say the reason we had this film, right, mm -hmm. is, is we wanted to show what our contributions have been exactly. in horror. So I don't know if you guys know there's another side to horror stuff is, um, you know, there's the con world where you go out and you meet the the, the fans of the movies and stuff. So I put out a tweet. I forgot people listed, read my tweets. That's what happened. But I'm not sad I did that because, you know, I'm in a group with four girls and I'm often excluded, you know, back from the publicity. Back in the day I was excluded. Now I'm excluded. So I just spoke up for myself. That's all. And it was amazing. Thank you for doing that. No, you're welcome. But the other thing is I realized, like, I'm an old lady now. I can say what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you need to stop because uh, when we were doing that, we were like tweeting on there. It's like, you know, she a vampire because she looked the same she did in the movie. And I think it's really rude that you can just sit up here and just look like that the same from that. No, I'll tell you, I had Amazing. an adorable moment. Um, so if you know about the controversy, I will say this. Um, Fruza Ball called me and I, I knew we're friendly. She's one of the girls in the film. We had a lovely conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, she said to me, Rachel, it's just weird. You, you look very similar to when we shot it. You're a vampire. And then I said, oh, it's just a glamour. And then we traded lines from the movie we shot 23 That's years awesome. ago. <laughs> and it was a, a real sweet moment. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So let me, let me dip over here a little bit. 
Mr. Tony Todd. I know you're probably sick and tired of people asking you about this, but you have to remember. You have to remember when I was a wee child, I looked up to you and other people of ashes. I know you're probably sick and tired of it. I know I've read interviews, but I got to bring it up because I know somebody else would want to ask it too. The Candyman remake. So I just want to do a poll. You, you don't have to look if you don't want to. All right, so fam, listen. And don't worry, because he's not really Candyman. That's Tony Todd. He's an actor, a trained actor, a renaissance man. Watch, I can say Candyman five times. Ain't nothing going to happen. Candyman. 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 Anyway. I'm not foolish. I'm not foolish. Now, I know originally, <laughs> I know originally that I had read somewhere that you said that you, had, you had mixed feelings about it. How are you feeling about it right now? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm honored to have created the character and to uh, voice a script that was written and directed by Bernard Rose, who's in a house somewhere. Thank you, Bernard. Bruce Rose. Um, I got to say, you know, doing the fan cons and stuff, it used to bother me because it would get people, mostly white people, coming up to my table and telling me all kinds of things about how my film terrorized them when they were a kid. I didn't think we were making a children's movie. I thought it was a movie for adults. <laughs> but it really bothered me because they would say, I said, how old were you? And they say, eight, six, five. I said, what kind of parenting is that? That Finally, is good parenting, sir. No, it's not. That is I'm preparing not a you for life. It's the preparing you for life. The babysitter and the dog walk around would have done that. It's preparing you for life. I thought, so, I loved your comment about the remake, by the way. I thought you were so lovely, the way you phrased that. Oh, well. You know, Tell them what you Because there are things I can't say, that's all. But uh, <laughs> I, I got to say, I went back to Bernard. I said, Bernard, you know we made a children's movie? And he says, Tony, don't worry. Anybody that saw this film as a child is going to remember it for the rest of their lives. Okay? So I took solace in that and went back to signing. Mm -hmm. So I'm proud of the attention that the remake's getting. And, and I wish them nothing but success. And we'll see how it all shapes out. And that's is a wonderful answer, sir. That's the best gossip I can give you. At there this you time. go. <laughs> because, like I said, it's one of the most iconic... I do know I'm working on a movie with Keith yeah. really soon, so I got that locked up. What? <laughs> Two of you together in one movie? What? What? Yeah, we were both in Platoon together. Yeah. That, that was my uh, yeah. first film. I think that was yeah. your second? Yeah. Or third? Second. It turns right. hard. did that other one. That, that, oh, yes, that, that, the one, the Livy Zhang the Super Zang. Project. Yeah, Livy Zhang. An Indonesian female director that we're still waiting for it to be released. So we've come to the part of the panel, and where's my people for my timekeeper? Because I need my timekeeper to let me know. Uh, no, 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 you're good. It's called I'd Like to Know. I'd really like to know. So this is just for a conversation for you guys. Is there anyone who has a burning question amongst yourselves to ask any of these people on this panel? Something that you might want to always wanted to ask or just something you're just curious about? Because I really want you guys to be able to talk to each other because it's one of those rare moments that you're, we're all here together. I have a question. I have a question. Yes. Did you know in The Thing? Was it scary? Was it what? That's like my, one of my favorite horror movies. I love, I mean, I love horror in general, but for some reason I was the right age at the right time for the suspense of that, you know? And um, also that it wasn't everything in front of your face. Not, I mean, if you like torture porn horror, that's great too. But like, there's something about suspense that was just so fabulous. So I know when you shoot, when I shoot a movie, it's not, you don't feel any of the stuff you guys do when you watch it. So you're just like, eh, craft service. How was your, ex <laughs> how was your
was your experience? Huh? Did you did you know you were shooting something special? It was my first movie. <laughs> so it was nothing but fun. Yeah. I mean, all the way around, every day. I mean, I, I mean I'm from New York. So uh, uh, and I, I, I'll tell you a funny story about this. I'm a speech teacher. And I was taking my speech teacher training the summer that I got the movie. I mean, I got, I, I got the, you know, I got, I got word that I, that I had gotten the movie, and then immediately I went to take my speech teacher training. Now, if you remember the thing, Childs didn't have, I mean, he was sort of the strong, silent type, didn't have a whole bunch to say. So I had many lines that were like two syllables. Hell no! Yeah. And I was afraid Wait, tell us about afraid. the actor trick of when you have one line where you're like, you just, you kill it by the end. Because you're oh. like, hello, hello, <laughs> hello. Right? You try it six oh, you do, I mean, you do all, you know, I you know, it was my first time on a soundstage. And the soundstage with these 30-foot ceilings and above, you know, and so, and I was sitting next to, you know, uh, with these other iconic actors, I mean, actors who I admire greatly. And... I was sitting across the table from an actor, and I couldn't hear him because he was talking like this. And they would say, you know, and then it would come time for my line. I'd be like, hell no! <laughs> and, uh, and, and so... And that's so the difference lunch, between film and theater. For lunch, for lunch, <laughs> the guys took me back. They, they took me to lunch, and they said, listen, you don't have to do that. <laughs> it's okay. You could use your indoor voice. You know. But I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was the, the time of my life. I had a, f a fantastic time. I think also because there was someone brown in that movie too, I could feel good about loving it. So I was, it didn't just love this movie full of all white people. There's just nothing wrong with, I mean, but it was nice to see someone in it. It was nice. And it was nice to, to live at the end. Although, you know, now, but I will tell you, I will tell you, I will tell you that. Don't the, disappoint the most, me, sir. The most frequently asked question. Was it you? Of course it wasn't me. At least, I wasn't, at least if, it, if it was me, I wasn't going to admit it. But you know, we, you know what no one ever thinks of? We were outside. The wind was blowing. There's a fire between us. There's a fire between us. I'm downwind of the fire. So the heat's coming my way. So of course the smoke coming out of my mouth was not going to be as heavy as coming out of his mouth. I don't know if that answers anybody's question, but it still wasn't me. Um, I want to jump in really quick and say for some of you out there, I connected with you on social media. You talked to me. I actually, funnily enough, one of the movies you made, do you remember my tweet to you? You were tweeting about Annabelle, and I was like, well, girl, wait till the ending. Okay. And, um, and I didn't even know her, but I was like, well, I just think I'm not going to ruin it for you, but I was unhappy with that ending. And then, so that's how I connected. And so, you know, there are ways to, again, connect with some of these people, and you never know uh, that you, who could end up in your film. So they're giving me the signal. So I want to say this. I want to thank each and every one of you for being up here on the stage tonight. I want to thank you for being, once again, our trailblazers. I want to thank you for being our teachers. A lot of times you don't realize you're teaching us things when you're acting and, and honing your craft for those of us who are coming up behind you. I want to thank you also for being our mentors. I also want to thank you for being our heroes and also for some of us for being our monsters because believe it or not, monsters help us realize what it means to be human and really good horror 
teach you how to survive and how to be a better person. And I'm really serious about that. So if you have children, let them see the movies. <laughs> let them see horror movies. Teach your children. And if we can just give them all a wonderful round of applause for being amazing people. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.